All right, church, I hope you've made five new friends. And yes, you've shared that middle name that you've held close, close to yourself and never let out for the last five years. I get to make a couple of announcements that are very important for all of us to hear. The first is, now, for those of you who like to make calendar notes and things like that, calendar your whole life, this is your moment, all right? So take out your calendar, get it out, and note that there is not going to be any church service on Sunday, December 25th, because it's Christmas. Everybody hear that? Okay. Now, we will have a Christmas Eve service on the 24th, and that's going to be from at 5 p.m. and 6 p.m. or from 5 to 6 p.m. You got it. We've got a 5 to 6 p.m. Christmas service on that Sunday, Christmas or uh, Saturday, Christmas Eve. Everybody's tracking with that. So make sure you show up Christmas Eve evening, not Christmas morning. Now, if for some reason you show up here, the doors are going to be locked. You're going to have to try and do a Christmas service on your own, or you can show up at the Sims house. They, I'm sure they'd love to have you. They'll be opening their presents, right? And then this is very important because in the text message that Joel sent me about these announcements, it says, we will, and will is in capital letters, so I think it's something that is really important to Joel, right? We will start back with service on January 1st. Now, I know these pastors, they have a hard time. They're like, we skip one Sunday. Everybody's going to think the church just closed, right? But just remember, we will have services on Sunday morning starting back on January 1st. Now, we also have a jingle jammy jam coming up on December 18th. And I brought some uh, wonderful models here <laughs> along with us to display what jammies look like, okay? Come out from behind here. So on the count of three, say jingle jammy jam with me. One, two, three. Jingle jammy jam. Okay. So you get your kids and you bring your neighbor's kids and you bring your sister and your brother's kids and you bring every kid that you can get your hand on and come to the jingle jammy jam. December 18th, it'll be a Christmas celebration with the kids' ministry that you don't want to miss out, all right? Thank you, ladies. You're amazing. All right. I'm sure they're looking forward to this by this time. Just to clarify, I'm, I'm confident you guys know this. The Jingle Jammy Jam is for our kids' ministry. Um, I know some of y'all were getting ready. I'm just letting you know uh, you're going to need to wear uh, Sunday clothes, not Sunday morning uh, jammies, all right? That's, uh, that's, uh, we're just, it's just, it's just good old service in here. Just good old, uh, Jesus service in here. They're going to have a lot of fun in there. Uh, it's always a good, um, day in the, in the kids ministry when they're able to do the, the jingle jammy jam and the friends giving and the, and the hangouts and the get togethers and the, all the fun stuff. Hey, uh, I want to dig in this morning, go straight into our message. I am starting off a new series, uh, on, uh, Advent, the expectation, the waiting, the looking forward to, uh, uh, Christ's coming. And so that's the season that we're in and the one that we're entering into. I want to begin with a prayer, and then we're going to dig straight into the Word, and, uh, and we'll go from there. Let's, uh, let's pray. Father, thank you so much this morning, God, for the gift of your Word, the gift of uh, your people. And I pray that you would open our eyes and you would open our ears to hear uh, all that you have to say to us this morning. In your name, amen. Hey, we, have a, we do have a family service in here this morning. Uh, our, a lot of our elementary kids are in here, and... Um, Last week, I think it was last week that they ended up having their uh, their friends their their friendsgiving, their gratefulness service, and so we wanted them to we just wanted them to recognize just how grateful they needed to be uh, for their kids ministry. So we told them they had to be in here with us this morning, and uh, so uh, you, you guys be sure to uh, welcome our kids that are in here this morning. Isaiah chapter nine is our first. Uh, I have two two passages of scripture. So if you have your Bible, you can put your finger in two places. Isaiah nine 
in Luke chapter 2. They're a little bit longer passages, but I want to want you to hang tight with me in this because they're, uh, they're important. They're connected in the text by what we're talking about, which is the coming of Jesus, yet at the same time they're still about 700 years apart. And so the first passage is Isaiah chapter 9, beginning in verse 2. The people who walk in darkness will see a great light. For those who live in a land of deep darkness, a light will shine. You will enlarge the nation of Israel, and its people will rejoice. They will rejoice before you as people rejoice at the harvest. And like warriors dividing the plunder, you will break the yoke of their slavery and lift the heavy burden from their shoulders. You will break the oppressor's rod, just as you did when you destroyed the army of Midian. The boots of the warrior and the uniforms bloodstained by war will all be burned. They will be fuel for the fire. How? How does this happen? Verse 6, for a child is born to us. A son is given to us. The government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. His government and its peace will never end. He will rule with fairness and justice from the throne of his ancestor David for all eternity. The passionate commitment of the Lord of heaven's armies will make this happen. Then in Luke chapter 2, verse 8, that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. Suddenly, an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them, don't be afraid, he said, I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him, you'll recognize him by this sign. You'll find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth lying in a manger, in a feeding trough. Suddenly, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to those whom God is pleased. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Hey, uh, ready or not, it's Christmas time. It's coming. It's coming for you. You guys ready? How do I know that it's Christmas time? How do you know? It's, it's in your mailbox. <laughs> it's literally every time you go out to the street, the ads have begun to fill your mailbox, begin to fill your social feeds, begin to fill. Christmas has, has arrived. It is time. Have you ever tried to explain time to, uh, to a child? Have you ever tried to explain time? I, I remember I, we, were, we were teaching kids one time at, um, uh, at a church service. Lindsay and I were there, and we were leading a, a, a group of children in uh, a worship service, a children's worship service. And so I wanted to talk about God because that's what we do at church with kids. We, I wanted to talk about God, so I said, here's the deal. I said, how, how old do you think God is? And, um, and I had a kid raise his hand, and he was so confident. He knew the answer. I said, all right, man, uh, how old is God? And he looked around the room like, watch this. And he goes, a hundred years old. I don't know how old he was. He was probably six, seven, eight years old. And I said, a hundred years old. And he looks around like, <laughs> like, yeah, look at me. And I said, man, that's, that is old. A hundred years old is old. I said, well, what about like, um, what about like George Washington? You know, like the, like the, our first president. I think he was around like 250, 300 years ago. And he looked at me like I just shot his dog. Like what, what just happened? And then some other kid yells back over on the other side, he's a thousand, he's a thousand years old. And then uh, they just all started yelling numbers and I really lost the crowd there. Have you ever tried to, have you ever tried to explain 
time. You ever thought about time? What is time? Time, a, a day, I know what a day is. A day is, a, it's a revolution of the earth. You know, one turn of, of the earth. A month is a revolution of the moon around the earth. Uh, a year, you think about a year, is a revolution of the earth around the sun. But it's these ideas, these thoughts of time are kind of meaningless without a story, some way to, to mark the time, to mark it. With, without story, we, we actually make it about us. You know, it's, it's Valentine's Day, or it's, uh, it's Christmas Day, or it's Labor Day. or it's, these, these are all great things, but as followers of Jesus... Our lives aren't centered around our holidays, but they're centered actually around a person. It's Jesus. And so for 2,000 years, the church has had the wisdom to mark time by the gospel story of Jesus. We've marked it. And this, this time is sacred. We call it the, the church calendar. So I want to I work through with you real quick. This isn't my message with the Spirit beginning. I just want you to get the picture. See, a lot of people, some of you guys have been raised in church, and some of y'all have been raised in church that, that haven't, um, that don't recognize a lot. I mean, we recognize Christmas, we recognize Easter, and then a lot of you guys have not been raised in church. So I want to give you a glimpse of kind of some main time uh, pieces in the church calendar. So we recognize Advent. So last week was the last Sunday of the church year. You have Advent, uh, which is the following. This is our first. It's like New Year's Day for Christians. Okay, so New Year's Day. This is it. Happy Happy New Year's. All right, and this is our. This is the first Sunday of of our year, and it's four Sundays leading up to Christmas. Of course, Christmas celebrates the birth of Jesus. Then you got Epiphany, which is remembers the uh, the revelation of Jesus to the uh, to the Gentiles. So you guys, if you've heard the story about the the, the wise men that came and brought gifts to Jesus. Um, that, that's, that's where we recognize that. Then you've got Lent is leading up to uh, Jesus dying on the cross. Easter, of course, is like, that's the, that's the day right there. Celebration of the resurrection of Jesus. Uh, Pentecost is 50 days after Easter, and it marks the birth of the church. The church was born at Pentecost. And, uh, and then the rest of the year, we have what we just call ordinary time. That's what we just finished. Good old ordinary time. How many of you guys feel like that's the majority of your year? Just old ordinary time. Well, guess what? The church recognizes that. Christians recognize that, and we're like, hey, it's okay. It's not only okay. It's good to live in ordinary time. The, the Lord has a lot to say about ordinary people like you and me living in an ordinary time. And so that's what we just finished. Now we're getting into Advent, and um, it's, uh, it's, the, it's, the, it's the new year for us. So really how, how we tell time determines who we are. How we tell time determines who we are. Our, our calendar will create our culture. So, so a Greek calendar told the Greek story. A Roman calendar told the Roman story. The American calendar tells what? The American story. The Jewish calendar tells the Jewish story. The, the Christian calendar tells the Christian story. A secular calendar doesn't really have a story. It's just, it's just politics and, and, and commerce. All right, And so, thinking of this Christmas season, here's the question. What would you say is the general story that you and I live in? In the culture that we're in, what is the general story that we live in? I'd have to say that for a lot of us, the characteristics of the season is really more like uh, shopping and buying and uh, maybe a little bit of debt, um, busyness, hurry, Maybe some, maybe a little anxiety, maybe some 
maybe, maybe disappointing some family members along the way. Maybe uh, these are all powerful forces that, that form our story and our season. And if we're not careful, it'll form us more than the church's story, the Christian story. They're, they're, they're so powerful. God has called us to live a more um, subversive storyline. And so the words that frame this season for us are hope, peace, joy, and love. These are massive, mega words that have so much meaning within them. But we got to be careful with these words. We, we, like we're not short on hearing the words everywhere we go. They're everywhere. They're, 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 but, but they're everywhere a lot of times in some, some powerless kind of empty platitude kind of way. It's, a, it's, you know, it's the season of giving or it's the season of peace or it's the season of hope. And we go, well, what is... What does that mean? Do I hear that train coming? I hear the train coming. We, we, we hear the, the, we see the messages of the season of giving, season of hope, season of peace. But, but the, the few people experience this. A few people experience this. And so why do so few people experience these things? And the reason is because we can get disconnected from the story, from the person, because our story isn't wrapped in fuzzy, nice words. Our story is wrapped in a scratchy, dusty blanket and placed in a feeding trough. Our story is in a person. That's where, that's where our story is. And so this series is a story of Jesus and our expectation of his promise. It includes Christmas. It's so much more than Christmas time. It's, it's so much more. And there's a the, the, the challenge is there's a growing secularism in our culture. It's, it's even felt in the Bible Belt, it's, it's, and it's really only going to continue. And so we have to work hard to position ourselves and our families within the story of Jesus because it's not going to happen automatically anymore. It's not going to happen automatically. And so we have, to, we have to work hard for that. So how do you do it? How do you tell the story of Jesus in everything you do? There's a lot of ways we, we prioritize this Christian recognition, this Christian understanding of, a, a, of time and of the calendar. We work in our, our habits of worship and our habits of fellowship, of teaching, of confession. We don't neglect the gathering of believers. You, you, you want to be sure to gather together. We celebrate new life. We have, we have baptisms. We, as a church, we want the entirety of our lives to be oriented around the life of Jesus. And so this morning we got a series, and this morning's word that we're looking at is the word hope. Everybody say hope. hope. All right, so hope, I want to I show you there's two main words in the Old Testament uh, that carry that understanding of what hope is. Uh, the first one is yakal. Everybody say yakal. Boom, there you go. You guys are, you guys are uh, now uh, uh, Bible experts. Yakal just means to wait, to wait. For um, it was it was a word used for um, like when Noah was waiting on the water to recede, all right. And then uh, the other word is uh, kava, and kava is is the root word of, of like a rope or a cord. And so the idea there is uh, the cords of a rope are entwined uh, in, entwined together. And so uh, in Isaiah chapter nine. We see this picture pointing forth of a child that's going to be born to 
Israel, and ultimately to all of us. And his name's Wonderful Counselor, Prince of Peace, Mighty God, Everlasting Father. And so what we recognize is that biblical hope that we look toward is in a person. It's not in a circumstance. And so this morning, real quick, I want to walk through three hopes that you and I can have, we can all have, as followers of Jesus. Three hopes that you and I can, can all have. The first one is this, is greater hope. A, a, a greater hope. Advent is a time of, of longing. You, you remember when, um, as a kid, when you would wait for a gift? Uh, Fritz actually mentioned it earlier. Uh, he was talking about getting up in the morning or, or, or the, that season of just waiting, that time of, of expecting or waiting on uh, whatever, that, whatever that gift would be. You, you, ever, you remember, um, did, did you have a, a favorite gift as a kid that you wanted to be sure that you received, and then and, and, and so you wait and you wait, and it, and, and it builds up and it builds up, and finally the day comes, and you open up the gift, and, and maybe it's there if, if, you're, if you're patient enough to wait long enough around to get through the Bible and you make it to the transformer, all right? You, you finally get the, I mean, it is, it is, it's built up within you, and you're getting you waited forever. It feels like forever. Maybe it's been three and a half months. It might as well have been 30 years, and you finally get there. It's all there. You open up the presents, and then 20 minutes later, Everybody's sitting around the room. There's trash everywhere. And then you just think, what now? You ever been that? You ever been there before? You just go, oh, okay, what now? Then you get up, and you're like, okay, well, I guess it's time to clean up all the trash. I mean, I, I don't know. It finally comes, and then, and then what now? But Advent is this season of recognizing the deep longing that's in our souls, not just for a new gift, but, but something that is much greater for God to make things right. And so you ask yourself, God's making things right, but are they all made right now? Or am I still waiting? Are there things in my life that I'm still waiting for, that I'm still longing for, that I'm still waiting on God to make right? Are there things in my at work or at home or around me? What, what in my life is, that's, that's what I'm waiting for. And that's what this season is because I have a greater hope. If Christmas is longing for that, that thing, that gift, that widget, that little whatever that is, that new thing that will satisfy me, then Advent is the longing for Jesus. It's a longing for his return. It's a longing for when he'll make all things right. It's, it's been 2,000 years in the prayer of Jesus. At the very end of the last book of the Bible, is, come Lord Jesus. I'm tired of everything being like this. I'm tired of the weariness. I'm tired of the pain. I'm tired of the relational dysfunction in my family. I'm tired of the struggle or the hate of this sickness, of this cancer, of this brokenness. I need you to make things right. And so we wait and we hope and we wait and we hope. But this this is a greater hope. It's a better hope. It's a bigger hope. It's not a hope for a gift. It's not a hope for a raise. It's not a hope just for a job change. It's not a hope for just a new relationship. It's not, it is a greater, totally, fully satisfying hope that exceeds all of our expectations because eventually God's coming back to make all things right. And if you look into your own life and you realize there's something that's not, it's, it's not good. This isn't right. It's not good. It's not right then you have to recognize that God's not done yet. If it's not good, then God's not done. There is a greater hope. 
And that is the hope that you and I have. The second one is this, is a future hope. A future hope. I want you to imagine that you have, um, that, there's, that there's two guys with the same background. Uh, they have the same skills. Everything is the same. You, 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 hire, you hire two guys, and every day, all day, their job is to just put uh, the, the, the widget on the widget. All right? You guys track it with me? That's all they got to do. All day, every day, all day long. Same rooms, same lighting, same environment is the same. Just put the widget on the widget. All right? That's it. For, for a year, 10 hours a day, you get 30 minutes for lunch. And uh, the only difference is that for one guy, you tell him, I want you to do this every day. And at the end of the year, I'm going to give you $10,000. He's like, all right, I'll do that. And for the other guy, you tell him, at the end of the year, I'm going to give you $10 million. All right? Everything else is the exact same. And so first day, they meet together for lunch for their 30-minute break, and they get together, and the first guy is miserable. This is terrible. I hate this. I don't want to do this anymore. I hate every minute of it. And he looks over at the second guy, and he goes, what about you? And he goes, well, I kind of enjoy it. I kind of like this. The difference is the two men are experiencing the same circumstances in a radically different way because the, their current experience is determined by their expectant future. One is thinking, I know what is at the end of it. It's $10,000 for me. Why am I here? I'm tired of putting this cap on this thing. I don't want to do this anymore. And one is thinking, at the end of the year, I'm a millionaire. <laughs> Same circumstances, but the job that they are doing, their experience of that, their outlook on it, their understanding and the fulfillment of purpose that they get from putting the widget on the widget comes from their expectant future, and it's two different things. You and I have a completely different hope. We have a greater hope and a future hope. The definition of hope this morning is anticipated joy. Hope is anticipated joy. I know it's, I don't have it right now, but I know it's coming. Anxiety is anticipated terror. And so you sit in your, and you sit in your seat or you sit in your car at home or you're, uh, or you sit in your car or you're at home or, and you, you, you sit there and you think, what am I anticipating in my future? Hope is anticipated joy. It, it, I may be, I may be joyful today. I may be experiencing some of that joy right now, but I can guarantee you it's not totally done yet. It's not full yet. So the question for us today is, what, what are we anticipating? What is your anticipated future? What is the picture in your mind of your future? What is giving shape to that future? What have you allowed to come into your mind and give shape to your anticipated future? Because if it's anything other than the story of Jesus, it's crowding in on his turf. He's the one that gets the final say. So let me ask you another question. As you are waiting, what are you entwining yourself with? Because if you're entwining your ultimate hope with anything other than Christ, then that hope won't last. It won't last. So if you were to write out a future hope for your life, what would it be? What would it be? I don't mean like a retirement plan. What I am is I'm asking about you. What is the future hope of 
of your life. We picture that. What do I, in my life, what do I, what's the picture in my life? Not, not necessarily all the, the specific circumstances of I'll live in this house and I'll have this set of finances and I'll have this. I don't, I don't, I don't mean the stuff. I mean the future hope. I, I, when I think about it, I, um, when I picture myself, this is what I want. I hope I'm going to get there. Is I picture myself as an as a old, old man. All right? Lindsay's an old, old lady with me. All right? And, and, and we are just so nice and kind and warm and inviting. We're not the old cur- curmudgeons. All right? And, we're, and we are overflowing with the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, and patience. And, and, and we just are so content where we are. And anybody that comes around us, they leave and they just go, man, I don't know what it is. I just, I just, feel, I just have more hope about the future. Now, that's my picture of, of when, I, when I get an old, old man. All right? That is my hope. But it doesn't, it's, it's not going to happen by itself. It's not going to happen on, on accident. It's, it's, it's not going to happen without me paying attention. I'm not saying that that's what people experience now, but it is my future hope. And I can have that future hope. I can have it not because of myself, but because of Jesus living in me. And the longer I walk with him, the more he can change and transform me. There's no worse, listen to this, there's no worse lie that the enemy can, can share with you and then give to you the one that says that you are stuck and that nothing will ever change and that you can't change. There, there's no worse lie. There is a greater hope and there is a future hope. And the truth is, is that you can change because of Jesus. It is possible. This is how powerful hope is. Because if you can just imagine how rich your life can be in him, then you can, then you can whistle along the way while you're putting the widget on the wadget while you're putting the cup on the bottle. You can, you can whistle along through life if you can only recognize that your future hope is so much greater than what is around you today. That is the expectant hope that you and I can have. It's a greater hope. It's a future hope. And the last one is this, is it's an eternal hope. It's an eternal hope. Hebrews chapter 6, the author of Hebrews is talking about Abraham. He's talking about the promise, the covenant, that God had made with Abraham and how he had waited patiently. Verse 15, it says, Then Abraham waited patiently, and finally he received what God had promised. Now when people take an oath, they call on someone greater than themselves to hold them to it. And without any question, that oath is binding. But God also bound himself with an oath so that those who received the promise could be perfectly sure that he would never change his mind. So God has given both his promise and his oath. Here it is. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, anytime you see the word therefore, you can recognize, you can recognize it's about to explain what you just looked at. Therefore, this is why we who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold on to the hope that lies before us. This hope is a strong and trustworthy anchor for our souls. It leads us through the curtain into God's inner sanctuary, into the Holy of Holies, where his presence is. Jesus has already gone in there for us. He has become our eternal high priest in the order of Melchizedek. Have you ever, you ever used a boat anchor before? You ever, any, any, any boaters in here? Anybody, any boaters? 
I remember being out on a boat fishing as a kid with my friend, and um, we went to leave, and we couldn't get the boat to boat to move. And uh, we were trying to get going, and then we realized that we had left the the anchor out in the in the in the water. The boat anchor is the most critical part of safety gear on the boat. If you lose power, it's the anchor that's going to keep you from drifting off into the rocks or to keep you from getting lost. And so the question is, why do I have hope? It's not because of anything that I've done, but because Jesus has taken the cross on which he died and he has bent the arms of that crucifix down and he's plunged it down into the character of God. And the anchor of hope that you and I have is the cross on which he died that is now resting in the character of God by which he can't change. God doesn't change, and he doesn't lie. And so the picture that you and I get of a greater hope, of a future hope, of an eternal hope, doesn't come from anything that we've done or that any circumstances that we've found ourselves in, but in who Christ is. And the expectation that you and I have is so much greater than what you and I can imagine. You don't have to wait today to have anticipated joy because our hope starts today. Our hope starts today. Eternal means right now and forever, not a one-day hope, but a right now hope. Eternity is, yes, it's a one day, but it also is a right now. And so when, when you're walking with Christ and you've received eternal life, it doesn't just mean one day that you'll get to be or do something somewhere. Eternal life begins now. And eternal life includes this hope, this waiting. And so the children of Israel, they waited and they waited and finally their Messiah came. And that was part of, part of such all the frustration was that the Messiah was there. He, didn't, he showed up in a, in a manger they didn't understand here he is, and the announcement was to shepherds, and they didn't understand. And he's in this feeding trough, and he grows up, and, he, and he, 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 he does amazing things, but he refuses to meet the expectations of all the people around. He refuses to meet their expectations, because what they don't realize is how desperately they need his salvation. They think he's coming in on a white horse, and he's going to renew and restore everything and put everybody, put them in charge. And he comes in, and he shows us the way toward hope, peace, joy, and love, the way to eternal life. And what does he do? He takes his place on the cross, and then afterwards we use that same cross as an anchor for our own soul. And we go, you know what, it's not me. It's on what Jesus has done. And so the, the, the children of Israel and then even those that weren't even a part, the Gentiles that came after, they still after experiencing the fullness of joy that he offers, are still waiting. And then we find ourselves there today. So I want to pray for you this morning. Um, there's so many of us in the room in this season that come from so many different places, different backgrounds, different circumstances, different situations. I can promise you this, that there isn't a background or a circumstance, or a situation that God has not already thought through to provide the greatest gift that he could ever give to you.
which is his son. Included in that gift is eternal life. Included in that gift is eternal hope. And so I want to pray for you this morning, if you would, if you close your eyes. Maybe you're in here this morning and you just say, Joel, if I'm honest, I'm, I'm, I, uh, I'm not really sure I have much hope right now in the circumstance or the season that I'm in. In fact, if, if hope is anticipated joy, I don't, I don't really have much hope at all, but I want to change that. So I want you to know I have, I have great news for you. There's a strong and trustworthy anchor for your soul, and it is hope in Christ. And so if that's you this morning, that's your prayer, I, I want to place my hope in Christ, not the circumstances of my life. If that's you, there's, there's nobody looking around. It's just me. It's just Jesus as a, a, a moment of confession and acknowledgement of your need for where you are. God has a free gift for you. If there's nobody looking around. If that's you and that's your prayer, I need, I need, I need to place my hope in Christ and not the circumstances of my life. Would you raise your hand real high? Or maybe you're in here and you just say, Joel, my, my hope is honestly in a lot of other things other than Christ. Things that are not going to last. but They're not going to last, but I want to change that this morning. If that's you and the Lord is speaking to your heart just as a confession, just as a confession this morning and a prayer, you just say, my hope is in a thousand other things, but it's not in Christ, and that needs to change this morning. Would you just raise your hand real high and you put it right back down? My hope is in other places. Yes. Lastly, if you're here and you just you just want the Lord to remind you, just remind you of the anticipated joy that awaits those who've placed their trust in Jesus. And, and your prayer and your confession today is real simple. It's just, Lord, will you just remind me of the hope I have in you? If that's you, Lord, remind me. That's your prayer this morning. Would you just raise your hand real high and you put it back down? Just remind me. Yes, yes, someone else. Yes, this, this message has broken as it is, if you will let it, will transform your heart today. God's true. His word is true. It doesn't return void. Let that, let that message pierce your heart. Let his presence settle into your soul. Let him renew your hope today. If you don't have, if you don't hear anything else, you don't have anything else in your mind today, just, just remember the anticipated joy that he has already promised you as he renews your hope this morning. Father, we love you today. God, we're so grateful, God, that we can be in this space, in this circumstance, in this moment. God, that we can hear your message of a renewed hope today. Lord, as we begin to expect and await and remind ourselves that, that, that though you've come, God, you're still coming back. God, though you've come, there's still more left for you to do. God, though you've come already, God, there's still, God, a renewal of all things. And as we wait for you to renew all those things in, in our lives, God, we ask that you would restore and renew hope in our hearts in this space. God, it is a promise, and you don't lie. It is impossible for you to lie. So this morning, let hope arise in the hearts of your people today. Lord, we thank you for this gift. Nothing we've done to earn it, God, but we open our hands and we receive it change us. God, make us more like you. Give us a glimpse, a picture, a clarity of the call and the vision that you have of what it looks like to follow you in true anticipated joy. In Jesus' name.
Amen. Amen. Well, I'm so glad to have worshipped with you this morning. I spoke to a friend this week. Uh, we were talking about attending church. And she said, I was like, what, why do you come? And she said, I need it. I work every day out in the community, in the world. I need the body of Christ. And I agree, I'm the same. It is good to be together uh, in, in a sanctuary where we worship and we realign ourselves and remember who's the center. It gets us through. So thank you for being with us this morning at Four Corners Church. If it is your first time here with us, I'd love the opportunity just to write you a note thanking you for being with us. There are worship guides on every seat, and inside there are connection cards. And if you want to take just a moment and fill one of those out, uh, you can drop it off in the drop box right before you exit the sanctuary. And I promise I'm not going to come to your house, knock on your door, uh, but I would love the opportunity to say thank you for being with us here at church this morning. Um, you know, we, we say often times that uh, giving, being generous, is a discipline. It's something you work on. It's something you practice. And um, as I was reading in Proverbs this week, uh, you know, you, you read about the lazy and the unwise and the, you know, the selfish and the, all that. But um, in Proverbs, there's a, a verse that marks the generous. It defines the generous. Proverbs 21, 26 says, godly, generous people give without holding back. And so I want to encourage you, uh, those of us who follow Jesus, remember that. Godly, generous people give without holding back. And in this season, especially this year, when costs are going up and things are, it's a little trickier than it normally is, remember uh, just that that godly, generous people live with open hands. That's who we are. And if we're going to be Jesus to people at our job and people in our neighborhood and people around us that we see, we need to live with open hands. And so I encourage you, as followers of Jesus, um, live with open hands and love people uh, and, and give to them without holding back. Be generous. Um, Speaking of, <laughs> for those of you who would like to be a part of giving to God through the local church, you can do that here at Four Corners by uh, giving online by text or by uh, cash or check. You can fill an envelope in the back. But I want to say thank you to those of you who so faithfully give. You really do make a difference both inside these four walls and right outside here uh, at, in our community with the people in our city. And so thank you. Thank you for living with open hands. Great. Hey, will you guys stand up with me? I want to pray for you. I love the, um, I love being in this space. Uh, the reason, one of the reasons we keep these uh, windows open uh, is because I love it and I like it. I like the drapes open. But, uh, but also is um, because as you hear the message, as you hear the word each week, I, I want you to hear it and I want you to know this, this message is for me. This is what the Lord has for me. But it's not just for me. It's not only for me. And so as you sit in here week after week and as we are worshiping or we're listening to the word or whatever's going on, we got cars going by and a train every once in a while. And sometimes we got a runner or a biker or whatever. We got this crazy, all kinds of stuff going on out there. We do that on purpose because I want you to know this is for me, but it's not only for me. It's not only for me, and I'm going to take this with me, and I'm going to go right outside 
Because if it's not if it's not true on Monday morning, then is it true on Sunday? It's true on Monday. It's true on Tuesday. God's with you in every moment. Hey, will you do this with me? Will you hold out your hands? I want to pray for you. Now may the God of all hope renew and restore and fill you with the confidence of God in Christ that no matter the season or the storm, you can be confident and full of anticipated joy solely, based solely on his promises. May you experience the fullness of joy today and this week knowing that he knows your name and holds every moment of yours in the palm of his hand. In Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, I love you guys. We'll see you all this next week.